if something horrible comes out and Trump comes out and agrees he did it, I will then weigh it. But there's, I, I'm never a lesser of two evils person, but with Hillary, there's not even the same universe. I mean, she is an abject, psychopathic demon from hell that as soon as she gets into power is gonna try to destroy the planet. I'm sure of that. The people around her say she's so dark now and so evil and so possessed that they are having nightmares. They're freaking out. Folks, let me just tell you something. And, and, and if the media wants to go with this, that's fine. There are dozens of videos and photos of Obama having flies land on him indoors at all times of year, and he'll be next to 100 people and no one has flies on. Hillary, reportedly, I mean, I was told people around her that they think she's demon-possessed, okay? I'm just going to go ahead and say it, okay? I mean, this woman is dangerous, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you, she is a demon. This is biblical. She's going to launch a nuclear war. Welcome to Election Profit Makers, a guide to winning and losing money on the 2016 campaign using online prediction markets. It's October 10th, 2016. This is the 12th of 17 episodes in our limited podcast series. I'm David Reese, and I am joined by my childhood friend, John Kibble. Hi, John. Hey, David. How are you doing? I'm okay. How are you? I'm a little hungover, actually. Really? Yeah. I, w I was drinking during last night's presidential debate. Were you not drinking? No, I was not drinking. Did you watch it? I did watch it, and I was very sober, as as I usually am. I don't I don't really drink. Well, I had some martinis, and by the end of the night, I made a, I, <laughs> I did the thing you always accuse the Trump supporters of doing. It was late at night, and I was a little tipsy, and I made a really bad bet on predictable. We'll talk about that at the end of the episode. I'm just introducing oh, no. some unresolved dramatic tension here, uh, that will shoot through this entire episode like a laser beam and keep our listeners mesmerized. And I'm sure all our listeners know, but for those people who only get their political news through this podcast, and I know there are some of them, and we respect you and respect your focus and respect your discipline, and we respect the fact that you place all your trust in us, the election profit makers, to explain the world to you. John, tell those listeners what happened on Friday day, because Friday was bonkers. Yeah. Friday afternoon, a video emerged where Trump brags in vulgar terms about kissing and groping and having sex with women, where he talks about kissing them without their permission. It's sexual assault. Yeah, it is. You know, it was stand, Basically, stuff. it was standard locker room talk, the kind of conversations that all healthy men have with each other, normal, fully developed, confident, uh, and sexually mature and respectful men. When we go into the locker room, we talk about women as pieces of meat, Every man does it. Giuliani has admitted as much, right? Mm -hmm. It's just a normal, yep. healthy way of talking about women that normal, healthy 59-year-old men do, right? He was 59 years old when he said all this shit. But people don't even talk like that. I mean, I was in a fraternity. I've been around all sorts of gross kind of guys and talk and stuff like that. Nobody talks like that. Uh, yeah, he is a, he's a sociopath. So how did you hear about it? I heard about it. My friend Sam texted me two words, Billy Bush. And I was like, I don't know what what's going on. What is this? I mean, I assumed it had something to do with the news. So I just texted him back. One of my classic triple question mark text replies, question mark, question mark, question mark. He texted back four exclamation points, an escalation in punctuation marks that I knew meant something truly amazing was happening in the political world. How did you hear about it? Twitter. I was blown away. But then... I hadn't listened to it yet. In fact, I think we talked and neither of us had listened to it yet. That's true. A little bit of background. When all this was ha started happening on Friday, I think you, Starley, and me exchanged more text messages and, 
in 45 minutes than we had in the previous six months. I mean, th- this was crazy. And you and I had talked about listening to it. And I, just, I was just like, I don't want to hear it. Like, listen, I'm a disgusting guy. Like, I played in the disease, you know. But I just didn't want to hear it. It was just so, it was too disturbing. But then I wound up watching an ad, like an instant ad that went up about it where they just used that clip among some other clips. But I never, I have never heard the uncensored, truly version. Yeah, I don't even really like talking about it. Okay, so let's talk about its aftershocks. Um, because Friday for me was the, was, the, was the moment I've been waiting for this entire campaign. Every week I say, surely this is the end of the Trump campaign. Surely this is the end of the Trump campaign. And at this point, you know, you would need three databases just to list all the potential campaign ending moments surrounding Donald Trump. Yep. Something about Friday night, and I know this isn't even the first time I've said this, but something about Friday night, I guess it was the Republicans starting to rescind their endorsements, you know, now that he had actually offended a potential Republican voter, i.e. white women. It was like, this is it. The wagon wheels have come off. Yeah, it was a retreating army. Yeah. Yeah, you could just see them. They were confused. They didn't know what to do. They were speechless. It was like, oh, he's going down. Let's also remind everybody that he started the day by saying that even though the Central Park Five were found innocent, they were still guilty. I mean, not that anyone cares about that because whatever, it's a bunch of blacks. Like, who cares? Obviously. It's incredible. Yeah. But let's get back to this amazing emotional roller coaster. So this deep-seated sense of contempt and just, just absolute disgust with Donald Trump finally merged with two other things. First of all, the disintegration of the Republican Party which was totally delightful. And then I finally started making a ton of money on Predicted. It was so incredible. (laughs) I finally had the pure emotional catharsis coupled with the completely rational, almost sinister sense of money-making and profit-making. Friday night for me was the highlight of the entire campaign. I'm not speaking as a citizen who cares about the country and political discourse. I'm speaking as an election profit maker. No, you had it Friday night. I was killing it on Friday night. I was so fucking happy on Friday night, John. I was in a state of absolute euphoria. In the text you were sending me, David was like, I, I think I think the play now is yes in a bunch of swing states just for a couple of days after the debate. And I was like, what is going on? He sounded like me when I first started on Predicted. And I was just like so high all the time. You wrote, God damn, I'm so into Predicted all of a sudden. <laughs> I was in the zone. I was in the zone. It was like, it's like this whole time I've been waiting for this moment. You know, I've been studying at the, at the knee of my sensei, my master, John Kimball, the one and only, right? And, and finally, with, with this thing happened, I I just immediately got so locked in. I remember it so clear. I was sitting on my sofa. I had my laptop out. I had my phone going. I was in double screen mode. You know what I mean? Like total poor man's Bloomberg terminal. You understand what I'm talking about? Good. You know, yeah. I was oh, just, I, know. I was like in the matrix, you know, when uh, Keanu Reeves walks into that closet and takes drugs and then he can like stop bullets and like wear trench coats and stuff. I was totally locked in like that. You were doing great. You were, you were at, you were so pumped and you were, you were giving good advice as well. Oh, how did I get? How did I get so wise and so smart? Just for one night, I really, I truly did feel like, I, you know, I could see all the source code that underlies our reality, and 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 I, I'm up. I have so much money right now. I'm predicting. I'm so happy. I mean, I'm a little sad because of the debate, but we'll talk about the debate. But let me just go. Let's let's walk people through our trades on Friday night because I was. I don't even know how to describe how hardcore I was surfing. You know, I've done a lot of talking on this podcast about being Kid Midas, the original wave rider, you know, becoming one with the board, riding the waves, hopping on, hopping off. I felt like I was controlling the ocean with my mind on Friday night. 
So, John, let's talk about our trades on Friday night. I mean, look at the timestamps. When you look at the timestamps, I get so amped. It's all right there. I have that NSA feeling again of like, this proves it. Kid Midas is a total genius. You go first, and then I want to go. Okay. Well, I, I started flipping the, the Ryan unendorsed. I was in yes. I was in no. I was going back and forth in that. Then I went in and started uh, buying no in the Trump being in all debates because I thought he was going to, he, he could potentially just drop out. So I flipped those. I went into the electoral college and started buying up into the upper brackets. When I, I don't play the electoral college market, but when I went to look at the electoral college market on Friday night, it was, it was, ins- it was yeah. insane. B1 through, I think, B3 were all skyrocketing and everything else was crashing. And you have to remember that, I, I can't remember what bracket it is, B4 or B5, the narrowest yeah. possible margin, which is actually the margin, I looked it up, the margin that Obama beat Romney by, even that was crashing. People were totally taking a position that all of a sudden this thing was going to be a total freaking blowout on election day. That yeah. made me so yeah, excited and happy to see that. But I was panicked. I was panicked at that point because I'm in that Romney, you know, 2012 type bracket. And I was thinking, oh, no, I'm going to have to reshuffle all of this. this the game is completely changed. So, and I was excited that the game was changed, but I was also nervous. And I didn't have enough money in there because I was have negative risks. So if I was going to sell, it was going to take money out. So I had to I had to put more money in to start adjusting my positions in there. So it was it was a little bit it was a little bit scary. How much did you put in on Friday? I think 400 more. Okay. So the first thing I did was start buying more shares of Trump not participating in all debate. Were you flipping those or were you, what what price did you buy those? At? I was buy, I didn't care I did not care. It was like $50 a share? Yeah, that makes sense. Whatever. You want my house and my car? Yeah, I'll do that. Just give me more shares. I wound up owning 305 shares. And Trump will not participate in all debates. And I held them wow. I held them all weekend. And then I set a price. I set a 22 cent ask. And then and then jumping ahead to last night's debate at quarter to nine. So that's 15 minutes into the debate. Somebody bought all of them. That was, that's when Trump had come out of the gate just looking so drugged and crazy last night. And I unloaded all 305 shares of Trump not participating in all debates. It was so awesome. And you sold you sold those at 22? Yeah. That is interesting. And then I also, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> I forgot about this. At 9 p.m. on Friday night, I also bought five shares in my old chestnut that old standby that everyone loves to gather around the piano and sing together at the holidays, Trump will drop out by October 31st. I think I bought those the same reason I bought all my Ben Carson will be president shares, just for, on the principle of it. I want to mention something, something else that I did, which is that I sold, and this is a huge mistake, we must acknowledge the shadows as well as the sun, for without one we cannot appreciate the other. I had bought, remember, 100 shares that um, somebody would mention WikiLeaks at last night's debate. And on Friday night, because I was just so manic, and I was just like, buy, 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 sell, 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 right? Matrix, matrix. I'm, I'm stopping bullets. I have a magical trench coat, and I have wraparound sunglasses. And I was like so locked in, I decided to sell my WikiLeaks uh, position. I sold them all at 39 cents. And last night, if I had held them, I would have been rich. Yeah. But I just wanted to get out of everything. I don't know. But then I wanted to get right back into everything right again. So this is what I did. Around 10 p.m. on Friday night, I bought 50 shares in No, 
Ryan will not unendorse Donald Trump. And even though we're recording right now and the breaking news is Ryan is kind of having it both ways and he's like, I'm not going to unendorse him, but I'm also telling everybody just be free, free to be you and me, Paul Ryan. I did. I still I had enough cynicism left, even though people were unendorsing McCain unendorsed. People are just running away from this guy. It's turning into a total disaster. You know, you can only assume there's going to be more tapes of him on a hot mic. I still had enough cynicism left in my heart. And thank you for that. Whoever provides cynicism to buy 50 shares that Ryan, Ryan will never unendorse Donald Trump. He just can't do it. So I bought that and I figured no. that's a wave. Like at some point I'll be able to make some money flipping that. Let's talk about last night's debate, Sunday night's town hall style debate between Trump and Clinton. You'll remember that on our last episode, I had made the announcement that this was the end of the road. The wheels were going to come off at the town hall debate because these undecided voters would hold their feet to the fire and refuse to let the candidates offer anything other than the most serious, most sober, practical solutions to policy issues. That did not happen. John, how would you characterize last night's debate? What are your thoughts and how did it affect your portfolio? Uh, last week, I had said I thought he would either overcorrect or undercorrect or do both. Maybe I was trying to have it all ways, but I kind of feel like he did that. When it started out, he w seemed really docile, seemed like he was undercorrecting. And then he got kind of angry after that. And I thought he was overcorrecting at that point. Trump appeared simultaneously completely drugged out of his mind on downers, but with all the anger of uppers. It was, it was very, yep. it, and it felt very strange to me. I, I, and I remember thinking like something truly unprecedented is going to happen. I'm pretty sure no human has ever acted this way at a presidential debate. Like he might just start walking in a circle and then just wander off backstage, or he might start walking in a circle so quickly that like he disappears, you know, like he bores a hole into the into the ground. And sure enough, that, like I mentioned, quarter to nine, about 15, 16 minutes in, I went online and was like, oh, all my no shares in Trump participating in the debates are gone. I just made good money. I made $20 at least on him because this, how is he going to recover from this? But I would say he more or less did, right, John? Yeah, he did. He calmed down and he, and he sort of got it together. He, but it looked like he was going to completely melt down at the beginning. I mean, it just started out with him being asked if he committed sexual assault. And I was like, oh, well, there is not going to be a third debate. Really? You sound like David Reese from Election Profit Makers. But then he recovered. And of course, he said no. He said it was locker room talk. And then he said he was going to bomb the crap out of ISIS. And by the end of the debate, I was like, yeah, there's going to be a third debate. I mean, the sad fact of the matter is the locker room talk that Trump engages in is when he's talking foreign policy. Because that's the kind of dipshit, dumb stuff that dudes say in the locker when they're done lifting, yep. you know, and they're all like, oh, and they're full of like creatine and they're looking at their biceps <laughs> in the mirror and they're like, they turn around, pop those lats, you know. And I'm speaking as someone who used to be really into lifting weights. You know, if you're sitting there with your bro who just spotted you and you're like, you know what we should do with ISIS? Fucking defeat them, man. You know, like, let's do it. Let's just destroy <laughs> ISIS. Let's crush. That's locker room talk. Not this, not this sick pathological stuff about grabbing women in their in their private area because you're a quote unquote star. Do you know what I mean? A fifteen, oh, fifteen. I can't. I'm fixated on the fact that he was fifty nine years old. I mean, not that it's not disgusting at any age, but really, bro, like fifty nine years old, you talk this way, you're damaged. And then he was talking about jailing, putting her in jail, and he got all this applause, and it was like. 
and again, we've talked about this before. Like, this is how it happens. This is how the mm-hmm. the window of what's acceptable or normal in political dialogue expands. And then you wake up and you're living in a country that's very different from the country you were living in 20 years ago. And I don't mean the way white Trump supporters are waking up and, and realizing there's all these Mexicans and weirdos living in their town. I'm talking about even the structure of government, like the way it actually works, like whether we're living in a democracy or some kind of weird autocracy. The 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 I hope that the lock her up or his version of lock her up, that is to say, right, where he said, I'll put you in jail. I hope that's a big deal. I don't know if it is. Apparently, a lot of foreign newspapers are leading with that element because it's like, "Mm, guys, we've been there. Like, maybe you want to hit the ejector seat on that type of of dialogue among a presidential candidate, you know, that I'm going to jail my political opponents. Yeah. It felt like a big deal, but then I, I tuned into Fox News this morning and they were talking about how how pumped they were when when that happened. So, and that goes back to what you're saying about how it changes the landscape. I mean, the fact that that may be acceptable and the fact that Fox News is like openly saying that's acceptable. It's like the Breitbartization of Fox News is occurring. There are plenty of, there are plenty of people in this country who are scared enough of the consequences of real democracy that they would be totally happy and comfortable living under an authoritarian ruler in an undemocratic state as long as they felt that ruler in that state would serve their interests. I just can't see the elites letting that happen. Oh my God, why not, man? Remember the Iraq war? Remember when we invaded Iraq? Yeah, I remember (laughs) that. In 2003? A lot of people went along with it, and it was like a pretty bad decision that was made. Yeah. That happened. That was crazy. That was a huge disaster. And I want to say one extra thing. One thing I will say about Donald Trump and his supporters, when when elites get scared and they're like, well, Donald Trump, there's no telling what he would do with foreign policy. He's so hot-tempered. It's like, dude, we already invaded Iraq for no fucking reason. It's too easy for people to... To write Trump off as like, oh, he's this crazy guy. You don't know what will happen. It's like, look at us. We've been in Afghanistan for 16 years. That's crazy. Okay, the debate. What else, what else happened? I can't even read. He called her the devil. Tremendous hate in her heart. I'll tell you one thing. He fucked the shit out of that chair he was standing behind. He was grinding on that chair so hard, I felt like I was watching a hip-hop video. That was yeah. insane. Yeah. Some of the faces he was making. He was, was clearly unaware that he was on camera. At, and, and she was actually, you could tell that she was picking her spots to try to keep him in the shot where he was sort of unaware, looking, you know, bored or angry. And that's what the Clintons did in 1992 town hall to Bush 41. And, you know, he was caught looking at his watch. He didn't look good. I mean, if you were to watch that debate with the sound off, he just looked like a monster following her around. Yeah, he looked like a weird, old, mentally unhealthy man whose whose uh, day nurse had dressed him up in a suit. Uh, <laughs> and the man had said, a tie's not long enough. I want a four-foot-long red tie. <laughs> the wizard in my cereal told me to wear a longer tie. Yeah. Last night was all about shoring up the base. That was a, in some ways, that was a shot at the GOP establishment because they were bailing on him. And in some ways, maybe that is what he had to do last night. He had to just go in, give them red meat, go straight in with all the conspiracy theories and Benghazi and um, emails, the emails and that Obamacare was a 
flawed. What he mentioned Gruber from Obamacare. That's like total inside baseball. And right. he did all that because he knew he was going to fire up the hoi polloi that weren't going to allow Ryan and all these guys to bail after that. And I think that worked. I think that worked. I think he he did. I think he has that thirty eight percent like pretty fired up right now. But he yeah, they're excited. Predicted was pumped last night. I mean, he was up three points or so. How how can he win with his base? He can't. John, is this thing over? Can this this thing is over? I mean, is it triple platinum over now? Because we always say it's over. It's over. Is this double platinum certified over? Yes, it is over. He's going to continue to go out there and to appeal to the base but he's not going to be able to reach beyond it. And the meltdown is going to continue apace this week and in the weeks ahead. All right. I'm just looking at my portfolio because there are a couple more markets we need to talk about. Golly, you were really... I fell hook, line, and sneaker for some faulty intel put out by Chris Hayes. Chris Hayes from MSNBC tweeted out, oh, it looks like Pence had canceled an appearance tomorrow. In New Jersey, yeah. Yeah, it was a New Jersey appearance. And then he ended the he ended the tweet with ellipses, which obviously makes you feel like, oh my God, something so significant is happening. You know what I mean? So I rushed to predict it and bought 50 shares that Pence would drop out by October 31st. No, no. I was just on my high horse. And that's not no, happening. I mean, this is, I'm telling you, the, 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 the pundit and reporter class on Twitter can be very irresponsible at times. Exactly, exactly. I want to say, I know we're running out of time on our podcast, but going forward, never make a financial bet based on a pundit or a public figure tweeting something that involves, number one, ellipses, number two, the word hmm, or number three, the word interesting. Right. It's guaranteed to be bad intel. Like, I'm down $10 on this Mike Pence dropping out already. And come to find out, Mike Pence canceled the thing because of a scheduling conflict. Yeah, he already had... A, he had uh fundraiser in north carolina you can't be in two places at one time i'm so up i'm so up in democrats winning north carolina it makes me so happy that's my favorite position all it is is nothing but green numbers i love looking at it don't you want to put more money in i know i kind of do i'm up 34 dollars, and you know i got 200 shares it's the second biggest investment share-wise of anything other than Trump not participating in all debates, which is my personal record, 305 shares, which is very interesting because 305 backwards is 503. And John, what's the significance of 503? That's where our secret band played. That's right. 503, 503 Odie's, Odie's Road. Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Get in that basement. Have your mind be blown. But we're going to wipe your memory after you see us because no one's allowed to know about us. 503 Odie's Road. Great house. Yeah, it was. John, we have a question from Starley. Hold for Starley. If it's over, is it going to be... Are we are we in for a month of just the numbers are never going to add up? He's not going to get any new voters? Or is it going to be like an apocalyptic flame out of epic proportions? Like, that's what feels disappointing about the debate on Sunday, right? Yeah. Because we thought we were actually going to see him uh, explode. <laughs> like, right. Turn, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, right? Yeah. Combust in, before turn, our turn eyes. To, yeah. yeah. But it was, the debate was still so crazy. I it, It's hard for me to believe that it can get crazier. It can get crazier. Starley's saying the debate got less crazy. And I felt the same way. In a way, the debate was a bit anticlimactic. Friday for me was the great catharsis of the campaign. I've been waiting to have that euphoria slash hatred this entire time. 
And then I thought Sunday he would just take off his pants or something. It just felt like maybe he would start eating a magic marker or something. Or just like Starley said, she thought maybe we were going to see something truly like magic, like something we did not think was possible. Now we're seeing it. Like Trump is levitating. And by the end of the debate, it was like, oh, it was just another mediocre, depressing, crappy debate. It's not going to change anything. I, I thought right. that too in the first 15 minutes. And yeah, in the end, it was sort of a downer. And it does feel like it could just slowly fade away now. Um, but again, it just seems it it just seems likely that more tapes are going to come out. And he, I mean, what could he do more in terms of melting down that he's already done? I mean, what what could he, he's not going to levitate. Damn it, John. I need this motherfucker to levitate. On Friday, it also felt like the entire Republican Party was over. And that now feels like they can come back from that performance on Sunday. <laughs> but that's why it's still over for them. The fact that they think that things are okay now and that it's stabilized in some ways. I mean, that's, that's their problem. But the whole Republican Party ending in a day felt bigger than anything I'd seen. Like when we were ta- when they were talking about how we were going to have a presidential election where only one person was officially running, that was that felt big enough to truly represent this this campaign. Like him just not getting enough votes doesn't feel proportionate enough to how outrageous this has all been. It's too normal. They all lose. Right. Like there's always one of them that loses. So like I just feel like that the only thing that felt sane and matched up to how we'd been feeling this entire time was Friday. Okay, I, I I see what you're saying. But what if he does lose in historic numbers? It still feels too normal. It still feels too normal? I mean, you know, people are saying, I can't... I feel like him swallowing up the entire party with his campaign is the only thing that feels fitting to what has happened. Because there was such a feeling on Friday being like, oh, now you guys are not supporting him. All this, there's been a million reasons why you shouldn't have backed him. And you're, on, you're clearly only pulling out now because you don't want to lose women voters. Like, it was so mm-hmm. gross. And so I felt like, shame on all of you. We all know this. What you guys have coming is that the entire party gets swallowed up in a black hole. And then on Sunday when it was just him doing okay, and then there's like, and we're like still putting on the, theater of undecided voters are we are they who are they going to choose the devil or the human like it's just it just now we're we're going backwards in a way that's not matching up maybe he's going to he's going he's going to go ahead and he is going to continue to attack and attack the republican establishment and continue to just split everybody up i mean they're doomed after this is over they are you're still going to have those same factions fighting each other. The question now, though, is does Trump even have a brand to do this crazy Trump TV or anything, or is he completely ruined? I think the Trump brand will be continued by Eric Trump, who, and I cannot wait to work for Eric Trump's organization. I think (laughs) Eric Trump is capable of great things. I think when I look at his face, I feel a deep sense of calm like I'm in the presence of a beautiful soul. But why do you think he's worse? Why do you think he's worse than Don Jr.? I'm excuse me, John. I'm talking about my future employer and best friend, Eric Trump. Okay. I think it's so just his looks. I me. think you're just picking on him because he's ugly. You know what? I think I am. 
Well, no, I also think he's a total asshole. Don Jr. Don Jr. is an asshole. That guy is a white You think Donald Trump Jr.? Let's really gossip. This is very inappropriate. Who do you think is worse, Donald Trump Jr. or Eric Trump? Donald Trump Jr. And why is that? Because he was the one holding the severed elephant's tail? Yeah, that. And, and I mean, if you follow his Twitter account, he's always retweeting these horrible white nationalists. And he, he seems to be the direct link between the Nazis and his father. Is it inappropriate for me to be fixated on Eric Trump just because his face is just no? It's like it, picking a looking at his face is like picking a scab. It's fun. It's funny, but I just want you to recognize what you're doing. That's it. Okay, I pre- you know fair enough, fair enough. I like making fun of Eric Trump because I think he's ugly. I think his face is stupid and <laughs> ugly. And I have a bully inside. I'm a bully. I used to be a bully, and I'm, I still have some bullying tendencies. We got a very intense uh, listener email this week about my bullying tendencies, and I'm something I still work on, but it's true. When, when, when I was in middle school, I was a pretty bad bully. And if I had never done any personal growth, I guess I could be a 59- or 70-year-old bully like Donald Trump is. Anyway. John... Let's assume that the great moment of catharsis that we can have for this campaign was Friday night, which for me was a, just a wonderful night, a wonderful couple hours of wave riding, roller coaster enjoyment, profit making. It's just everything I got into this game for. It's the only reason I became an American citizen to begin with. And let's assume that we are, that's, the, that's the final moment of catharsis. That's, we're not going to have a huge catharsis on election night where the entire Republican Party gets down on their knees in supplication and apologizes to America for what they subjected us to. Donald Trump is not going to have a complete and total psychotic break on national TV where he becomes a universal laughingstock. Donald Trump's supporters will never be dissuaded to vote for him. They have deeply held and strange convictions and they believe in this guy. You know, Hillary Clinton is not going to beat Donald Trump by more popular in the popular vote by a greater margin than has ever happened. It's just going to kind of want it's just going to run itself out in a way that, like Starley said, doesn't feel appropriate to the catastrophic immensity of what we've been through and how just transgressive and, and awful his campaign was. Right. I think she could beat him. Um you know, the biggest landslide in our history was LBJ over Goldwater. Goldwater got 39%. It's possible that Trump will do worse than that. Starley's shaking her head. Oh my God, she's burning you so hard with her head shaking. What, her did, expression. what, what does she think he's going to get? Starley says it's still going to be almost half. There's almost half Republicans. He's the de- Republican candidate. That's the way it works these days. Republicans vote for the Republican. Democrats vote for the Democrat. So, ergo, Donald Trump will get just about every Republican voter to vote for him. Well, we'll see. I'm not sure. I just wanted to mention that I bought 50 shares, yes, that the Republican Party will take Iowa in the presidential election. I'm down 350, but I feel like, come on, like, I can fantasize about a world historical route, but that's not going to happen. Iowa's going to go Republican, right? I I think it'll be really close. Now I'm not as as sure, but I, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a bad bet. All right. I also bought 50 shares. No. Will Trump or Clinton lead by double digits by October 21st? There's not going to be a double digit lead. A double digit lead means something crazy has happened and Republicans are just truly abandoning their nominee. It's not going to happen. But I'm, I'm down $3 in that, which I'm surprised to see. 
People have that Friday night fever and it's Monday morning and you can't bring that Friday night fever to a Monday morning meeting, okay? I'm sorry. I don't care how much fun you're having on Friday night. The party's over, okay? And I, and I, to my credit, I feel like I've realized that. I was so high on Friday night, but it's a new week and things are going to get back to more or less normal. I, I think that it, it's unlikely that we see a double digit lead in the, in the polling averages, but I, I don't, I do think it's possible that when we have the actual voting, that she could win by double digits. What are you going to bet on next week? Because we did this on Monday, I didn't get a chance to do the negative risk uh, plug-in yet. Uh, and I can't do that on my phone, obviously. I need to do that on my laptop. But I, I want to do that this week and get in into doing some negative risk in a bunch of... Because they have all these state markets now, state polling markets. And I think there might oh. be an opportunity... To, to use negative yeah. risk and not make a ton of money, but just make, you know, a little bit of money in a bunch of different um, markets. Yeah, if you make enough little money, it adds up to big money. I mean, I'm not saying I'm excited about doing that, but there just isn't really anything else for me to get into right now. I mean, until we get the new word markets. I know I'll never have a night like I had on Friday night. That was just the night of all nights, you know? I'm going to hold that night in my memory, and I'm going to honor it every uh, October 7th from now on. I'm going <laughs> to celebrate my special predicted.org night. And um, it's just true. It's just so... It should be a national holiday. How do citizens uh, solicit national holidays from the federal government? How does that work? Start a change.org thing, maybe? Oh, change.org. Has any force in history brought about more change than change.org? The very name itself has literally changed. My roller coaster ride on Friday night would not have been possible without the money that people had donated to election profit makers. And so, as always, we're going to take a moment to thank this week's donors. John, we have a donation from Kevin, whose mom says hi. Do you want to say hi to Kevin's mom, John? Yeah, sure. Hi, Kevin's mom. Okay. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Kyle. And thank you, Jeff. Now, Jeff made a donation of 538 in, uh, I guess, to, uh, hmm. in honor of our arch nemesis, 538boogereaters.com. We got a donation from Mark, who wants us to use the money to update the website with a donate button because he found it too hard to donate. If you're confused about how to donate to our podcast, please just PayPal money to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. We like their money. Yeah, it's some of the best money you can get is your is money from our wonderful listeners. John, we got a really intense donation from Catherine. She donated in memory of her car. Remember when I was yelling at people about doing their fake dead friend hijink donation in memoriam donations? Right, right. We got one from from Kate whose car was a 2008 Honda Fit that got totaled. The car's name was Jesse. It was T-boned. She sent photos proving the car was dead, and so I do want to honor that car. I have a Honda. I think Honda makes wonderful automobiles, and I feel for Kate, and we honor her car, Jesse, which is dead, and we accept the donation in honor of Jesse. John, we got a <laughs> we got a donation from Noah. Well, okay, well, from Noah. Do you remember Noah from high school? Did I forward you Noah's email? Yes, you did. I do remember Noah. Okay. Hi, Noah. Shout out to Noah. Shout out to Noah. The guy, when we were recording compilation albums of all the high school bands in 1990, we did them all at Noah's house. And Noah was like the, was like the, the in-house engineer for all the Chapel Hill high school bands. So, Noah, thank you so much for your email. 
it's too long to get into because I'll never stop yelling at Mike because Noah's talking about when Mike did this. Art. Oh, I, know, I can't even talk about it. <laughs> okay. But thank you, Noah. It was great to hear from you. I'm glad to hear you're doing well. Uh, he was donating to the Unban Mike Fund. Um, Noah, there is no such fund. We are no. keeping your money, but Mike is still banned. I don't. Mike sent us. I, Mike sent us a really long email this week. I don't even have time to get into it. Mike, you are. Somebody tell Mike that he is still banned. He cannot listen to this podcast. It is vitally important that he does not listen to this podcast. He is banned until he pays the official debanning fee, and we are still calculating that fee based on how banned he is. Because frankly, we've never seen someone so banned on a podcast before. And our accountants are still crunching the numbers <laughs> to even see if there is a fee that can reverse this ban. Because they're telling me, my people are telling me they've never seen anything like this ban. I mean, they're like, this is truly unprecedented. You know, in the history of podcasting, some even say in the history of radio, they've never seen a banishment like this. I mean, some of the words they're using are truly astonishing, catastrophic. A disaster for Mike is one that I've heard. How will Mike recover was something that one of the accountants told me. And then someone else said, there's not enough money in the world for Mike to get D-banned. We've just never, it's true. You've just never seen anything like this. I don't even want to keep talking to you. I Poor have to Mike. go now. I have to go. Yeah. No, it's insane. Poor Mike. Sorry, that was something Mike. else that somebody said. Sorry, Mike, but that's just the way it is. Um, okay. Now, we have another, I'm, this, is, this is what I'm going to say. And this is for real. This is the last week where we accept comedy donations. I got this guy, Joseph, donating a penny. Enough. We're, we were, from now on, we return all comedy donations, okay? If you're going to donate money, donate real... Do, well, I don't want to yell at people for giving us money, but I feel like a penny, it's almost not worth it. It's a penny. Yeah. I don't want these financial microaggressions clogging up my PayPal feed. No more. We have a request. This is what we'll say. This is the most best way to say it. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a request from the election profit makers. Please no more comedy donations. We love your sense of humor, and we love that you appreciate us. You can send us a funny email, but if you're going to send a donation, it should be a serious donation, which is defined as $100, right? We're at the $100 level now. Okay. Next up. Yeah, $5.38 is a comedy donation. $538 is a serious donation that we would honor and revere with the respect that it commands. And we would, we would, we would, if some, if we got a $538 donation, how epic would that be, John? Oh my God. That would be amazing. Right? That's never going to happen. We would put, all right. Never going to happen. Nate Silver, you better hook us up, bro. You want to call off this feud? You've got to put your money where your mouth is and send us, I'm going to say this to Nate Silver. If you want to, if you want to get back on our good graces and you want to end this war between election profit makers and 538, which I know is consuming your every waking moment, your knowledge of this war and the stress it's bringing you and your loved ones, the only peace offering we will accept is a donation of $538 from your personal PayPal account, Nate Silver. And that's the only thing that will stop the bloodshed. Okay. Until that day, we're just going to keep beefing. We're going to keep feuding. We're going to keep bringing the ruckus. Okay. Okay, moving on. Donation from Edward in memory of Dingo D. Dogglesworth. Now, I want to say one thing to Edward and anyone who understands this reference. You don't need to make a donation in memory of Dingo D. Dogglesworth. Dingo D. Dogglesworth is alive and thriving. He's very well. I know exactly where he is. He's in Brooklyn, New York, in my producer Christine's apartment. Dingo's having the time of his life. So don't you worry about Dingo D. Dogglesworth. But thank you for remembering Dingo. He's a good dog. He's my favorite dog. Okay. A donation from John, who's challenging Satchel to match its donation. 
Satchel, John's donation was $54,000, so match that donation, Satchel. A donation from Zachary, who has exclusive intel on Satchel. I've, how much of this podcast should be about Satchel? Okay, Satchel, this is the last time we're going to mention you, okay? But we got a donation from Zachary, who has exclusive intel on Satchel. We, we got some deep Gainesville listeners. Shout out to Gainesville, Florida. I haven't been there in a long time, but when I was a political cartoonist, I went there once and did a reading at some weird little zine anarchist record store kind of thing on the main drag. I wonder if that's still there. Anyway, I'm not going to read the intel live on the air, but I will say, Satchel, I hope that you and your Pinecone collection and your fossilized pizza are all doing well in the aftermath of Hurricane Matthew. John, we got a donation from Uwe, who writes, Vielen Dank für dieses Format wird es einiges für die Bundesstagwahl 2017 geben mit freundlichen Grüßen, Sebastian. Thank you. Uh, vielen Dank, Sebastian. That was my German. I haven't spoken German in a long time, but Sebastian, I want to let you know that my book is available in German, Die Kunst einen Bleistift zu spitzen. So that's great. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Tirna Og, for your donation. Thank you, Bobby. Bobby wants to know, what are your debate drinks of choice? My, I was drinking martinis last night, but John, did you have a debate drink? Diet Coke. Diet Coke. Starly? Starly was drinking the LaCroix. What flavor? Orange. She says, she says she drank LaCroix orange, but she can't recommend it. We got a donation from Steven who wants us to promote his, oh my gosh. We got a donation from Steven, John. He says, please promote my junk museum slash lounge slash toy store slash live music venue behind the pizza shop. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is another guy in Gainesville? I don't know. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Ga- uh, Gainesville Chamber of Commerce sends us a check for $100,000 for how much we're promoting these Gainesville businesses. You know, I've never been to it's Gainesville. Lightning Salvage Enterprises, the best junk museum in Gainesville. No discounts. Oh, you know what, Stephen? Just for that 100% discount, all election profit makers listeners are entitled to 100% discount and one free thing. And you have to, Stephen, and I'm not kidding, you have to do this. You have to mail every one of our listeners a piece of junk from your, from your, uh, from your junk shop. I'm tired of people telling me not, not to give out discounts. That's one of the main things that this podcast is about, is, is sharing the wealth and giving out free discounts for things. Okay. Oh, we should do a live show in Gainesville. John, you want to go to Gainesville and do a yeah, live show? I would love to. Hey, you, David. Oh my God! You know, you know who? Yeah. <laughs> you know who else is going to Gainesville? Who? Trump. When? Because he's gaining. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Dude, we got, <laughs> that was terrible. We're cutting that. No, that's amazing. But I've never. Oh, it's so I've, perfect. I've never. John, been. that's so perfect. <laughs> that's so perfect. Gainesville. Explain what gaining is and where gaining comes from. I I don't really know exactly where it. it you ga- made it up. It, yeah, it's just it's the opposite of um, being in control. When someone I is. I thought it was from when you were. I thought it was from when you and Andrew were playing Spy Hunter, the video. Yeah, game. no, no, no. It was a. It was a. Um, yeah, it was like a car game. And when you were like sliding off the track, we'd say, oh, oh, he's gaining. Oh, I'm gaining. I'm gaining. I'm gaining. Like when you're losing control. It was just opposite talk, Kimble, basically. Trademark John Kimball slang. Must credit John Kimball. When something's really going off the rails and not going well, you say, I'm gaining. Yeah. It's like, how are you doing? 
Well, let's see. Uh, check bounced. Electricity went out. I stubbed my toe. I'm gaining. You say it like that. And that's what Trump is doing now. That's why Trump's campaign headquarters are officially located in Gainesville, because Trump is gaining right now, right? Exactly. No, you explained it perfectly. Okay. Zach made a donation in honor of the donation section of the podcast. Thank you, Zach. Michael is a second-time donor and requesting an Extreme Vetting Cocaine Remix. We're, we're working on our Election Profit Makers mixtape. It's going to be a hot mixtape. And um, we have some other, somebody else requested a Paging Dr. Carson remix. We might have to do a Paging Dr. Carson remix, too. <laughs> Paging Dr. Carson. <laughs> we will be the first election-themed podcast to put out a mixtape. I guarantee it. I would love to see Keeping His 1600s whack-ass mixtape. No. Our mixtape's going to crush any other mixtape. Right? Slate yep. Political Gap Fest? What kind of mixtape are they going to put out with John Dickerson and David Plotz <laughs> trying to make beats? Forget it. Election profit makers, are we own the streets. Okay. <laughs> We're going to sell the mixtape out of the back of our car while we drive down to Gainesville. If someone in Gainesville wants us to do a live podcast episode recording in Gainesville, Florida, I think we need $3,000 to cover it. And fl- what? And Florida needs us. That's right. I know. Florida's where, you know, Florida's going to be the, the big state again. Okay. I've been to every city in Florida but Gainesville. I really, really? Want, yeah, I really want to go. Why have you never been to Gainesville? It's like the Chapel Hill of Florida. It just because it's, you know, in the middle of nowhere. It's like a swamp. So, you know what? I, I've never been to Tallahassee either. I've never been to Tallahassee. Are Tallahassee and Gainesville pretty close? Yeah, they are. We got a really nice donation from Daniel who says, I've always wanted someone to sponsor a podcast just to wish everyone a good day. So please tell everyone to have a good day and to keep riding those waves. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an official have a good day from the election profit makers on behalf of donor Daniel. That's a very nice gesture, Daniel. Thank you. We got a donation from James who submitted all these incredibly complicated instructions about how he wants his donation split up and he only wants John to get one cent. Uh, because John, he says that you you must be rich because you're a member of the one percent because you're the president of I Capital Holdings. Do you have anything you want to say to James? <laughs> yeah, I Capital Holdings is me, and I'm definitely there. You go. not rich. We have a donation from Patrick who wants to fund our ongoing beef with all the other podcasts. We're happy to do so, Patrick. Thank you. And then finally, we have two donations from Stanley and Jeremy, each donating in order to be banned from listening to the podcast. I'm very comfortable with this dynamic, actually. <laughs> Stanley, you're banned. Jeremy, you're banned. You can't listen to the podcast anymore. Thank you for your donation. As always, if you'd like to donate to Election Profit Makers, all you have to do is go to PayPal and send money to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Thank you very much to all our donors. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you, everybody, for your money. Okay, now we had talked about answering non-political questions this week because we were tired of the election and... As of last week's recording, we assumed nothing new was going to happen in the election. Once again, uh, fate has conspired to put egg on our faces. However, this was a special post-debate, post-controversial um, audio so edition. So we will answer the non-political questions at a future date. We still need some good non-political questions. We got all these questions about, like, what kind of Star Trek character do you want to be? We don't know about stuff like that. Well, you know, like, t- we want questions about infrastructure and basketball, right, John? Sure. Any, yeah. I want people to understand John Kimball's mind, which is one of my favorite minds of all time. They don't have to and be about... John, I, now everyone's going to send in questions about infrastructure and basketball. Just ask any question. I mean... Okay, but don't ask us questions about Star Trek characters and stuff like that. We don't know about stuff like that. Yeah. The new RASP poll came out this morning, and 
she's up seven points, but it's a six-point jump for her over their last poll, which was Friday. These are going to be the post-Billy Bush tape polls. Yeah, so if you're not in those blue chips, I would get in now. You can still make 20% on them. Yeah. You think you can make 20%? Yeah. I mean, they're still trading at 77, 78 cents. So the election continues to be a volatile um, American phenomenon, and the markets on predicted.org reflect that reality. Although there are blue chips that are looking more and more like sure things, like the North Carolina market, there are still plenty of slight fluctuations and waves to be ridden. She is a demon. That's it for this week's edition of Election Profit Makers. Remember, we're ending the day after the election. Every episode is a precious gift. Don't take it for granted. Don't take us for granted. Trust me, you're going to miss us when we're gone. I'm David Reese. And I'm John Kimball. We are the Election Profit Makers.